As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is Dream Power Radio, the place where your dreams turn into reality. Here is your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman. Hello, 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 and welcome to Dream Power Radio. This is the place where we talk about dreams, both daytime and nighttime dreams, and how you can use them to make the internal shift to a life you love and rediscover the truth of who you really are. For all of you who've been listening for a while, you know this show is all about life. But now we're going to take a look at a part of life we tend to not want to talk about. Death. Most of us go on about life with the sense that we'll live forever. That there'll always be time to do this or to say that. All the while realizing deep down that one day it will all end. And while coming to grips with our own mortality is one thing, what makes it harder to deal with is when we have to face the death of someone we love. And probably the hardest death we have to confront is the death of a spouse, especially if the marriage was a long and happy one. Recently, a friend of this program, author and dreamer Carol Oshman, experienced the death of her longtime husband, Jim. But as she's written about in her latest book, and as she puts it, he's not gone. What does she mean by that? Well, Carol's here now to explain. Welcome back to Dream Power Radio, Carol. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, Carol, first of all, yeah, first of all, my deep condolences to you for the loss of your beloved Jim. And as you say in your book, while he's left us on this physical plane, he's still with you. So tell me about that. <laughs> well, there's three elements. First, there's the shared, there's what they call the shared crossing. And uh, then there's the after death life, life after death, and how it still goes on. And since he and I both believe hugely in dreams, we knew. I mean, it, it, as you know, it's not a belief, it's a no. And um, he, while he didn't dream very much, he, he lived through every instant of my experience for 45 years so he knew and the night before he passed we didn't know he was going to pass but I had the, a dream that um, we were going to Rochester which is where we live now nearby Rochester and we were going to get on an airplane well all of a sudden he's gone I can't find the airplane and I search and it's gone. And so I woke up. We were lucky to have round-the-clock nurses 
almost. And I told the nurse my dream, and she says, well, you know what that means. He's getting ready to go. And then the next night that he did pass, that was what I consider a shared crossing experience. In my dream, I'm sitting on his bed, and we're talking. And he all of a sudden says, I'm sick and tired of this dying business. He said, let's get up and go have fun. And so we did. We got out of the, off the bed and we went for a walk in the woods, of all places. Five o'clock, that I got a knock on the door and the nurse tell, was telling me that he had passed. So the people who run the Shared Crossing Project, they will tell you that I went with them in the beginning. How so? Because you're still here with us. Well, I in my dreams, I I got off uh, off of his dying bed with him, and and saw him through the woods. So the first dream that you had before he died, would you consider that a precognitive dream, or do you think that was him talking to you at that point? I feel he was talking to me and letting you know that he was ready. Right, that he was ready to go. Was he not able to say that in in actual words at that point? No, he hadn't been able to talk for a, few, a couple of weeks. He would talk, but he it was always to people you couldn't see. And my husband's from Holland, and his native tongue is Dutch, of course. And he would speak Dutch. He wouldn't speak any English. And he'd be talking to, pointing to people in, up in different parts of the room. He did, one time he did speak in English. He, he told my daughter that the man in the painting that we have of a street in Holland, uh, that he was visiting him and talking to him. <laughs> so you, but, knew, you knew he was ready to go at that point. Yes, yes. And the nurse had said that he was only hanging on because he was worried about me and that I should tell him not to worry about me. So whenever I'm feeling down, I did tell him that. And whenever I'm feeling down, I I remember that. Uh, Don't worry about me. (laughs) So, you know, we hear a lot about people who make plans to try to contact their loved ones after they die. Did you and Jim specifically talk about this beforehand, or was it just something that he, knowing that you're a dreamer, would sort of intuitively understand? We used to joke about what we would do in our next lives, and he wanted to be an Air Force pilot. He wanted to fly one of those big fighter jets. And then, and also he was, we were going to meet at the St. Petersburg Pier. And of course, that St. Petersburg Pier is gone now. <laughs> but I hope it's living in heaven because that's where we're supposed to meet. But that's, that's what we talked about. Your book is a collection of the dreams that you had with him after his death. Before we get into that, I just want to know, did you go to bed every night asking for him to appear in your dreams, or did it just happen spontaneously? It happened spontaneously. It, it was a surprise the first night he came, but he kept coming. I keep a dream journal. I always, I've had him for 40 more years, 
and my my dream group that's online, they figured out that I was living my grief through my dreams. On the 23rd of November, and on the 29th was the first time he I had this dream where he's picking out a new car for me. And as a dream worker yourself, you know, a new car is a new life. And yeah, he picked out a new new life for me. I was gonna be a widow now instead of instead of his wife. I was hoping for a convertible. <laughs> but then uh many times I think I did try to reach him because I would have these dreams where I'm trying to phone him and I can't phone him and I'm trying to borrow a phone from somebody and I'm asking strangers and knocking on doors and I, I want to know if I can use their phone because I have to call Jim and I can't, I know, I know I can't for a long time. So I, I think there was a, a period where he had to get acquainted with things on the other side, say hello to everybody. But then we went on to some very, very, very beautiful dreams, that amazing dreams. In December, December 3rd it was, uh, he did come unexpectedly in my dreams. And our big dog was dying. And as it died, it shrunk to be a bug, a very nasty bug that was trying to bite us. And then I had a second dream that same night where I leave California and I'm to go to Philadelphia and then I'm to go to Rochester. And of course, all the way I'm trying to find Jim. Within a month, my nephew, and mind you, this bug that bit us was gonna bite us. My nephew in California passed unexpectedly. He was like in his 30s. Oh my, oh my. Within a couple of weeks, my niece near Philadelphia passed. And I believe that this was him telling me that this was going to happen. He was helping get you prepared. For Trying to prepare me, right. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else that, that he told you in your dreams that surprised you? Uh, yeah, the morning of the funeral, I quite often have songs, music in my dreams. And the morning of his funeral, I woke up with a song going through my head on the wings of a snow white dove. And um, I, I just thought that was, must have been from him. And then I, I've got more dreams where I'm trying to phone him and he's not there. And there's within, since it's my dream diary, there's three examples of my dreaming for other people in there that happened. And I, I think I, I spiritually, I was kind of weak at that point because I was looking for him. And as he was weak on the other side, we had to both gather our, our strength. And he started telling me about a baby or my dreams told me about a baby um, 
I was going to school to talk to a, a class and I told them I, I couldn't stay long because I had to go home to take care of the baby. It wasn't, it was very clear it was not my baby, but it, the baby I had to take care of. And then another time I had to take care of another, I had to take care of the baby again. I had to give up a couple of things in order to take care of the baby. And it dawned on me that the baby was this book about the grief dreams. And when he started taking me back to heaven to meet people, I said, okay, that's when I decided to go back and put it all on paper. And that would be our baby. And do you think that this did help you in the grieving process? Oh, yeah. Yes, it did. Uh, anybody that knew me or saw me at that time, they couldn't understand why I seemed to be taking it so easily. But I would see him at, at night, so why not? And he he was a joker. He uh, he would send me things, songs. He said, I woke up in the middle of the night with a song going through my head that Gene Autry saw Roy Rogers' song, Back in the Saddle Again. And I couldn't figure out why that. So I looked up the words on the internet and it's all about freedom. He's back, the cowboy's back in his saddle and he can go wherever he wants and do whatever he wants. And that, that was a song that he gave me in my dreams. It was kind of giving you permission to go on with your life and not just. I, I think so. Yeah, I did. You're right. I didn't think about it that that way. That it was giving me permission. There, there was one dream that the person in charge trained us in combat, and I was to sneak up on an enemy and fire my big gun, while another one on my team came from another direction. I'd seen this in action before, and I knew it meant was meant to trip me up, put me and my teammate in the hospital. So I contacted my teammate, and we made a deal, and we didn't, and we gloated afterwards because we didn't have to go to the hospital. And the the meaning, a teammate, somebody you support or who supports you, and Jim is my teammate. And Jim and I were gloating over our win, our, our getting through our part of life, not a war. You know, it, I was taking it easy, and evidently he was easy, too. He didn't want me to grieve. Well, Carol, this is all really, really fascinating, and we're going to get into more of it, but we have to take a short break now. So we are speaking with Carol Oshman about dreams from the beyond, and we'll be right back. If you're not pleased with the trajectory of your life, the time to begin your own personal transformation is now, and your dreams can help pave the way. How? By tapping into your unvoiced confidence. What is unvoiced confidence, you say? It's acceptance of your abilities and qualities. It's a state of mind coming from liking and even loving yourself, and feeling free to say or do anything you want without concern for the judgment of others. You were born confident, but may have had it chipped away little by little by the negative self-beliefs you've picked up over the years. If you're looking for the heightened energy, clarity of thought, and the feeling of being more alive that comes from self-confidence, 
you can rediscover it by paying attention to your dreams. Need some help doing this? Go to my website, thedreamcoach.net, and sign up for my complimentary dream discovery session. I can help show you how your dreams can help you return to the confident person you were always meant to be. Again, go to thedreamcoach.net, thedreamcoach.net. Welcome back to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman. Yes, welcome back to Dream Power Radio. I'm your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman, and we're talking about dreams from the beyond with author and dreamer, Carol Oshman. Well, Carol, I just want to take a little detour at the moment, because in your recounting of all of these dreams, you sum up your understanding of the dreams in a very succinct, compact way. So tell me, what is your process for getting into the deep meaning of the dream and to understand what it's telling you? I don't think I could explain it to you. It's, it's well, like, like the dog turning into an ugly insect that was going to bite us. It just seems so clear to me that something was going to bite us. And, and that was the death of the two people that were in the two cities that we came, were coming to. Another one, another dream I had, we went to an amusement park, our whole family, the children were little. And we didn't have our car, we had another car. And I lost all of them. I couldn't find any of them. And I went to the entrance. I looked in the parking lot, I couldn't find the car. I went to the entrance and then I figured out, well, that's not the place to be sitting and waiting. I went to the exit and he still didn't show up. And that was kind of like a nightmare. I I woke up and I realized then that I I lost, not only lost him, but he was in a way a, a connection with our children. He would spend every day, at least an hour, maybe more, speaking on the phone when we lived in Florida and they were up here. And he would talk on the phone with them every single day. So there was no need for me to talk to them. You know, I'd just be listening in the background and I'm their mother, you know, what What did I have to say? And I realized with this dream that when I lost him, that I lost my connection to the children too. And I, I think that was the, the deepest part of my grief then. Well, have you been able to reunite with them? After oh, this? yeah, I've rebuilt, rebuilt that connection. <laughs> yeah. Have any of them had dreams about him? They don't dream. They they don't believe in dreams. <laughs> they, they listen. but they, uh, That sounds just like children. They don't do what their mother does or tell them what to do. No, no, not at all. Well, what's been their reaction to your dreams? I mean, have you told them about the dreams that you've had about him? Yes, and I've... I've showed them the manuscript before I had the book, but there's no, I have to tell you, my son, oldest son, is scientist all the way. He was project engineer for the James Webb telescope that's been showing pictures lately of the universe. And uh, that's his belief. He, He doesn't believe in he doesn't go to church, doesn't believe in God. And my daughter is following in his footsteps. 
I have another son who lives close by, and he's a little bit more willing to listen to me. Not, not that I get to talk. I have a grandson, one of my daughter's boys. Now, he is interested in it. He's very much interested in all of my books. And when, when I pass, I'm going to try to push it all his way because he'll carry on. Because this, this should, help, should help people forever in knowing that they can speak to their loved ones that are gone. And they will see them another day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I do shows about science also. I just did a show recently about energy healing and, and how scientists are now getting proof of that. And mm-hmm. there is some ty- scientific studies into dream work as well, as you are aware. And uh, it's interesting that there is the science that proves it, but then there are books like yours that also prove it, that these things are real and are possible. Right, right. I'll tell you one of the funniest things. It's not in the book. It happened a couple months ago after I had the book published. I had an ac- a car accident, and it wasn't bad. I you know, went home, and I was okay. That next morning, I woke up to the song going through my head, what do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor? <laughs> I I just thought that was so funny. That's a, I I don't drink, and he never did. And but that would be his sense of humor, just pulling my strings because I I did have the accident. So that was him poking a little fun at you. Yeah, yeah. Does he? Did he ever send you any dreams that told you what the other side is like? Uh, yes, he. I believe he took me back to the other side. My nephew in California that died, his name was David. And in one dream, we went to visit David in his little house. And it was at the, at the, where the V, right at that corner, the triangle there and he had a little rowboat and he could go wherever he wanted to go and he was super happy and it's kind of funny because in life he had money but he spent it on toys he even erected a huge building one of those metal buildings in order to keep his multiple jeeps and atvs and all that stuff in so i kind of figured he's in heaven you know i told someone that story and she said well i thought we all had mansions (laughs) we all have lessons to learn you know i think that this is he was learning his lesson and it was a special day the day we went there in the dream and as a day when you go to visit your relatives and you take a gift. And I said to David, are we going to go visit my brother? It would be his father who passed away, oh, maybe 40, 50 years ago. And David said, yes, we were going. We needed a gift. And then, then in the dream, we decided the gift was me. 
coming to see him. Yeah, that was when I decided I better start writing down what my dreams were. Mm -hmm. And what a gift it is for other people to be able to read them and to see what is possible. Over the years, you've helped a lot of people by dreaming for them. Did you ever have dreams that involved having their departed loved ones coming to you to send messages? Oh, yeah. I have. When I first started the dream work, uh, I was about 45 and lived in a small town, Kendall, New York. And there was this, there was one grocery store. There was no stoplights. They didn't need it. The joke was they didn't need any because you knew where everybody was going anyway. But there was this grocery store and a man, young man ran it. Uh, his father had started it. And then his father passed and, and Kevin, his name is, took it over. I wasn't close friends with Kevin. I, I knew who he was, you know, but that, that was it. All of a sudden, one night in a dream, I'm at a party, a celebration for Kevin. And his father, who I never knew, came up to me and starts bragging about his son, how he could do anything he wants to do. He could be president if he wanted to. And so I thought, well, this was wild, you know, a dream about Kevin. He just was not in the realm of my life other than when I needed a loaf of bread or something. Um, so I didn't know how to handle it at first, but I thought, I'm going to write him a note and tell him. And if he wants to think I'm crazy, that's okay. <laughs> so... I wrote, a, I wrote it to him in a note. He called me immediately. He totally believed that it was a message from his father because he was thinking of opening a string of stores, of grocery stores in our part of the country. And he didn't know if his father would approve or not. He was wishing his father would tell, tell him. And he was sure this was a message from his father. And he ended up having nine nine stores, I believe, little little mini marts with gas stations out in front. That is incredible, Carol. Do you have a final thought you'd like to leave with our audience? Just you can dream. If you don't think you dream, you can dream. Make you know, get a pad of paper and a pen and write. I will remember my dreams. And it might take four or five nights, but you will, it will finally start to come to you. And you have to write, as you know, immediately, whatever comes to you, you write it down. And it seems to me when, when you're going through something like I did, or if you're a young person and you're in trouble with your life, your dreams are spot on. They really don't need interpreting. Later on, when you get things smoothed out, you're kind of on the right path, then you have to interpret them. Um, but it'll come to you. It, it came to me, and it, it, it would, could come to anybody. And Carol, how can people find out more about you and your books? I have a uh, website. It's caroloshman.com. 
And all of my books are listed there. Uh, my email is ashman at verizon.net. If they want, I have a, a paper with all five books on it that I'm using to promote the books now. And I'd be glad to send anybody one of those papers so they could see what's available. They're, they're all, each topic is different. One is about uh, what the women in, in prison dream about. And this one about grief. One is uh, the dreams of the Bible and what how, how they're there to teach us how to interpret our dreams. When God Stood Up is my story. When it, it's a combination of my story and the dreams I've done for other people. Half of the book are all dreams that I've done for other people. I've done it more than 400 times. Mm-hmm. Well, Carol, thank you so much for being on Dream Power Radio today. Thank you for having me. Hey, we've been speaking about dreams from our deported loved ones with author and dreamer Carol Oshman. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. If so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Until next time, this is Debbie Spector Weissman saying, sweet dreams, everybody. You've been listening to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector Weissman. For more information on Debbie or to sign up for her newsletter, go to dreampowerradio.com. This has been Dream Power Radio. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.